1: Glamour Magazine Deputy Editor Wendy Noggle goes on the record online.
2: We're finding that our readers are incredibly tech-savvy, are interested in tech products, not just things like iPods, but are really on the Internet looking at blogs and are a part of that entire culture. And as a result, we are expanding a lot of things on our website and are adding things like a beauty blog and some daily fashion insider tips and things like that
1: and welcome to another episode of on the record online if you're a regular listener of the show thanks for coming back if this is your first time tuning in uh this is the podcast that tries to give you the story behind the story Uh, Our objective is to increase the transparency of the news media business and the public relations business. Uh, We do one-on-one interviews with journalists from the mainstream media. And from time to time, we also do bloggers and podcasters and PR people and newsmakers. Generally, we like to talk about how uh, new media technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the mainstream media business as we know it. My name is Eric Schwartzman. I am the founder and president of iPressroom Corporation. We are a company that uh, helps other organizations integrate the web into their marketing communications and PR initiatives. I am also absolutely fascinated at how, um, organiz- how, how technology is changing the way organizations communicate and the way people consume media and information. Um, today we have a one-on-one interview with uh, Wendy Nagel. She is the health deputy editor at Glamour Magazine. She is the first um, person, first uh, journalist from uh, that category, the health and beauty category, uh, to be on the show. And so we're very excited to have her. Uh, We are recording this episode from the Media Relations 2006 conference in New York, uh, where we're actually talking to a number of uh, journalists and newsmakers, and she is obviously one of them. Uh, The interview with Wendy lasts around 20 minutes. Uh, and uh, I hope you uh, have a chance to listen to it all because she is uh, quite good, and she also talks about a number of um, well she, she, she talks about how just how wired uh, the health and beauty audience is and it may be eye opening for, for those of you that have any sort of preconceptions about about that audience being uh, you know less tech savvy um, that doesn 't appear to be the case at least according to her. Uh, So now we are – oh, if this is your first time uh, tuning in also and you want to subscribe to the podcast, uh, you can do that by going to www.ontherecordpodcast.com. And there's a number of different ways to subscribe. Uh, You can either subscribe through iTunes or through Yahoo Podcasts or through Odeo or through uh, Podcast Alley or by just picking up the raw RSS feed, and if all that sounds like, you know, gibberish to you, uh, there's a tutorial there about how to subscribe. It's free. It doesn't cost any money to subscribe. And what it means if you subscribe is that every time there's a new show, you receive it automatically. Um, so um, you can check that out at www.ontherecordpodcast.com. Uh, that's all I've got on the intro uh, for this episode. Now we are going to play for you the interview with
0: Wendy Nagel after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from my press room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom. Tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Wendy
1: Noggle is deputy editor at Glamour Magazine. Prior to joining Glamour, she was an editor at Ladies Home Journal. Uh, she's also worked at Family Life and American Baby. Thank you very much for coming here to do this. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So I would like to talk a little bit about um, just how tech-savvy your audience is. There's a bit of a preconception, I think, in the media relations and PR community that the fashion world and the health and beauty world is not tech-savvy. Is that true?
2: I think that's absolutely false. We're finding that our readers are incredibly tech-savvy, are interested in tech products not just things like iPods but are really on the Internet looking at blogs and are a part of that entire culture and as a result we are expanding a lot of things on our website and are adding things like a beauty blog and some daily fashion insider tips and things like that that are specifically targeted to the beauty and fashion minded woman
1: and just to sort of shift the tables for a minute, how do you use technology to do your job? I mean, are you on the internet? Are you fielding pitches via email?
2: As an editor, I'm constantly online. It's 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 just a part of my everyday experience at work. Um, I field a lot of pitches via email, and um, I'm also just investigating what's out there whether it's blogs whether it's um, you know government health websites you know it really does run the gamut especially as a health editor the times the types of things i'm trying to tap into online and one of the things that i use as a as a resource a lot is a lot of email news wires they really help me to keep on top of the news and the breaking studies that are coming out of the medical journals um,
1: specifically which ones
2: for example newswise health behavior news service are a couple that come to mind i also get the table of contents from journals like the journal of american medical association new england journal of medicine i get those emailed to me so i can you know be on top of it even before those issues hit my desk and i have a couple of colleagues who are starting to rely on rss feeds instead of those email news wires Um, um, I'm just starting to try that myself, honestly, and I'm going to see how it works with my workflow, um, but that might be something that I start to use more and more.
1: Give us a sense of the volume of email pitches that you receive.
2: Of just PR pitches alone, and this would not include any of the news wires that I was discussing, I would say I probably get 75 a day on average. Um, it really can vary. Some days are obviously slower than others, but there are a lot of them, and uh, one of the things that's very helpful if someone is sending me a pitch to make it very clear in the subject line what it's about, um, to be clear and concise in the email itself, obviously, and. Um, then you know you may want to follow up with a phone call depending on you know the urgency of of the pitch because in addition to all of those 75 pitches I've probably got at least 75 to 100 emails from my boss our copy department you know um, that are just inner office communications that are very vital and so sometimes I'll be honest it's easy for those to you know sort get lost in the shuffle
1: how do you possibly read 75 email pitches a day
2: well, I definitely rely on that subject line a lot. Um, that helps me prioritize. Um, I also have it set up that, you know, it's the basic email device that things that I've read are a different color than things I haven't read. And so sometimes I will save them up until later that I have a little bit more time that I could look through them all together. Um, and, you know, I, I do rely on skimming. So that's why it's great if if it can be something that's concise and and to the point, um, I'm surprised that many email pitches I get are still a little bit long-winded, almost as if it were a formal pitch letter that would take three pages in print, um, and it's hard to get through that in email.
1: So if you're off-site covering a story and you come back to the office and you've got 75 built up, I imagine time to time you've got to just delete them all without reading them.
2: Yes. I mean, for example, you go away on vacation and you come back and there's an onslaught and you have to prioritize. And I try to get to them if I can, but definitely I have to deal with what's on deadline that day. And um, that's why sometimes if someone can call and follow up, I can either do a search for their email or they can resend it if it's something that I'm interested in.
1: I know a lot of um, PR practitioners will look at the book and they'll look at the call-outs on the cover and they'll say to themselves, well, unless I can really sum up my subject headline as, as concisely and succinctly as a call-out on the cover, I'm never going to get their attention. Is that true? That
2: is true to a certain extent. Um, you know, there are several pitches that start out. Um, I should have brought an example. I had one this morning that – I read the entire first paragraph and I thought, I still don't even understand what they're talking about or what they're pitching. And, you know, had it been summed up in a call-out or even a really interesting statistic or something that quickly engages me much the way it would engage my reader, um, that makes an incredible difference in, you know, how, how much longer
1: I'll keep reading. So now, Glamour is competing in a very crowded sector. There's a lot of other magazines vying for the same market you are. Tell us, if you would, the personality of Glamour amongst the competition and what makes a great story for Glamour magazine.
2: Glamour's reader ages anywhere from 18 to about 40. Um, we have an incredibly loyal subscriber. Most women are um, average age of about 32. Um, Glamour is different from our competition in that we are very... Um, life-affirming that our core message is about self-acceptance we're also very different that we cover the reader's entire world from politics and news to beauty tips and fashion advice to health Uh, bulletins and more so we really are a general interest women's magazine with that core message of self-acceptance one of the things that makes a great story for glamour is is a very personal story that will engage the reader that has never been told before and that celebrates women it's something that we do many times a year we have a big um, annual event called women of the year that we celebrate headliners but we carry that down to the very basic level that we want a story of a woman who's a hero in her own little world, in a way, not someone who has just been victimized, and that just goes along with our message. And it's something that we're always looking for.
1: Now, you did a story on detox diets in January of four, and you guys have a lot of coverage on diets and how to eat, and eating healthy, and certainly, you know, there's a, a fair amount of criticism of the category of media that Glamour's in of contributing to eating disorders amongst women. And we saw, obviously, the Dove campaign be so successful by showing real women. Um, How is that impacting the the editorial decisions that are currently being made at at Glamour, if, if at all?
2: You know, it's something that we've been talking about for years and years, even before the Dove campaign. Um, We have been doing body image and body acceptance stories for a long time. Um, Just a few years ago, we updated a body image survey that we started 20 years ago, and we did a big comparison on how women's attitudes have changed and evolved and what kind of progress we're making. You know, we've, we've really made a lot of headway here. We've done things like put Queen Latifah on the cover. We are always celebrating all body types. That means women who are plus size, but also women who are naturally petite or thin. You know, um, body acceptance is not just about, you know, real women have curves. It's celebrating whatever your natural shape is. And that comes across in all of our editorial in big and small ways. Um, the the diet detox story you mentioned was actually a way for us to cover a trend because detox diets were incredibly huge and a lot of buzz, a lot of questions we were getting from readers. And we looked at it as a way of, is there really anything you can learn from these diets that is worth, you know, a take-home message? And there are a lot of things that weren't worth you know practicing on a daily basis but there were a few tips that that could be useful and that's how we approached that story um, but we would never do a story on here's the detox you need to follow drink lemonade for a week and and lose ten pounds that's just not what we do um, another story that we did on the diet front that was a lot of fun and was a big success was actually last december and it was called diets are dumb and it was all about the research of how dieting can make you hungrier and how it can you know lead you to overeat and um and also had all this wealth of information but showed you what you should do to eat healthy and to make a lifestyle change and and that's more of the the nutrition coverage that we offer
1: what role do you see yourself playing in helping women maintain a healthy lifestyle
2: I think our role is incredibly important. We know women don't get this information from their doctors. We know that um, they often don't have another resource to go to. And so we are a place that is a great medical authority for them, that they can get information on their sexual health, on their heart health, on their cancer risks. And Glamour is one of the few women's magazines that – looks at all of a woman's health from head to toe. You know, we don't just look at what we sometimes call the bikini zone issues. Um, We really are looking at her whole body, and that includes her mental health and well-being. Um, And it's incredibly important, and our readers respond to it in a way that is incredibly powerful and gratifying when you get those reader letters.
1: Now, I know you guys have these health calculators on your website where you can put in your age and your weight and find out whether or not you're at risk, uh, either from an obesity standpoint or from a heart, heart rate standpoint. Um, tell us, if you would, I mean, I think there's a, a perception uh, in the media business uh, marketplace that your outlet would not be a good way to reach the wired consumer but i would imagine based on the usage of of tools like this you probably have a, a better indication of that so walk us through your audience online
2: online a lot of our readers are um, using our website in a couple of ways we do our classic do's and don'ts which is in the magazine and is incredibly successful they do a lot of voting about do's and don'ts on our website um, but we also have much weightier issues on our website whether it's a long feature story like we have from the May issue is online and has actually started generating a lot of buzz in the blogosphere um, to programs like what we call our Body by Glamour program and it's a diet and fitness plan that gives you a customized strength workout and weekly diet advice and what we find that our readers online respond to is some of the tools that we offer um, one of the things in that plan is what we call my progress page, and it's just a place where you enter, you know, your workout, what you did, and it instantly calculates how many calories you've burned, and how many minutes you've worked out, and then you get this great little graph that is very affirming, and um, readers seem to really love. And that's also a program where some of the tools you mentioned, the uh, body mass, ind- index, and other calculators are. And they seem to be a part of the whole experience that our readers are looking for and that answer a lot of health and body questions that they have.
1: Quantify for us the size of that audience. I mean, are there, Are you? do you have a lot of usage of these tools on your website?
2: For our Body by Glamour program, for example, we had more than 200,000 people sign up last year. It is a three-month plan, um, but it does stay up on our website over the course of the year. Um, but I think even in the first month, we had more than 100,000 people already signing up. So it's pretty large, um, even just for those small subsets.
1: How do you think they find you?
2: A lot of what happens is there's we do a lot of promotion in book. We will have a page in the magazine that describes what's online every month. And there's also, um, you know, for example, this Body by Glamour plan, we have a big in-book story that will work for the person who isn't online. She can follow the plan. It's an abridged version if she just reads the magazine. But if you go online, you get all of these extra added value tools and help that you wouldn't see in our pages in the monthly
1: issue. Let's talk a little bit about the culture of celebrity. Uh, Obviously, there is a trend to use more actresses on the covers, and I think it's always actresses on the covers. I can remember the time when there were models on the covers. Uh, Is that trend continuing? it's
2: definitely continuing we still include models on our cover we have a model on our May cover Um, but celebrities I think will continue to be on magazine covers and um, you know I think it's because readers can so relate to them they feel like they're friends with celebrities and and sometimes that can help sell a magazine
1: and just as a final question how do you define fashion today
2: that's difficult I would define fashion, especially for our reader, it's really about your unique style. Um, We're really at a stage when almost anything goes, um, as long as it celebrates you and it's true to yourself, which is very much part of Glamour's message. And so in our fashion pages, we try to give people the advice to, um, you know, find their inner style and bring that out and celebrate their own uniqueness. And... Um, really execute that in a way that that works for them.
1: Well, thank you very much for coming and talking to me.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS News Feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.